Welcome to the Creating Conscious Relationships podcast with your host, Janelle Annette. On this podcast, you're going to be receiving my best teachings, tools, and practices so that you can create a conscious relationship from the inside out. So no matter your relationship status, you're going to find everything you need here to help your relationships thrive, including the one with yourself. Welcome back for another episode of Creating Conscious Relationships. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about people-pleasing. So we'll be going over where that role developed, and we'll talk about both caretaking and people-pleasing and the difference between them and the similarities between them. And we'll talk about where those roles developed and how to actively work on overcoming them. So people-pleasing, I'm sure you know what it means and what it looks like, but ultimately it's just really being in agreement with those around you or potentially overextending yourself, not saying no, and just seeking to gain approval from other people rather than standing up for your truth, whether that's in terms of an opinion you have, a thought you have, or a boundary that you need to set, right? Something that you need to do for yourself. So it's all about self-sacrificing to appease other people. And we'll talk about caretaking patterns as well or overextending yourself in that way. And that's a similar thing. You could look at people-pleasing as caretaking as well. But for some of you, people-pleasing might just show up more so in how you're actually expressing to other people, whereas caretaking is very much about overextending and going out of your way to maybe do more things for other people than you actually have the capacity for, or never say no, or never speak up for what you need and you want. So again, they're interconnected, but it could show up differently for everybody. And what happens when you're in either of these roles for too long, you can grow in a lot of resentment and exhaustion, and eventually even feel like you lose yourself, like you don't know who you truly are because your entire life or most of the things you do in your life have been dedicated to the other. And that fixation on everything that is outside of yourself causes you to become really deeply disconnected to your own internal needs and thoughts and feelings, and it can get very messy and confusing. And this is a really big one I work with, and so many of my clients move through this. And there's often this really big point of acknowledgement and grief that comes with realizing that you've sacrificed so much of your time and energy in your life to make other people happy. And yeah, there's usually this overwhelming sense of grief and emotion that needs to come out. And for me, that's a really beautiful key indicator that things are shifting and changing. Although it can feel hard, it's like this reconnection to the emotion, right? And that is the initial need. That is the initial realizing that even though maybe you don't know specifically what you need or what you want and how to reconnect to yourself, but the first step is just recognizing that there's been that disconnect and that there is this part of you that really deeply craves being in deeper connection with yourself and is sad. And some of you might feel very clear on why it is so important for you to overcome this pattern, maybe gotten to a point of feeling burnt out and frustrated and you just don't know where else to turn. And for others, you maybe see it showing up in little ways, but you're not fully aware of the deeper impacts that it has on your life. What I want to say here is that every decision and thought and action that you make creates a ripple effect in your life. So while it might not seem like a big deal to people, please, again, if you haven't connected to the deeper understanding of why that's problematic, 
But life is a series of decisions, right? So everything impacts the next. And it's not just one choice to hide your truth. It's not just one moment where you overextend. It's an ongoing pattern and it deepens as time progresses and you can get very habituated with this constant need or sense of my feelings don't matter, my needs don't matter, and I'm just going to give, 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 or say yes, 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 or change who I am to make other people happy. And that level of self-abandonment is actually massive. So first of all, I just want to say if you're here listening to this and you're ready to make this change, wow, so much love and encouragement and acknowledgement to you for being aware of this pattern first and foremost and to be willing to work on changing it. And what a gift that is that you're actually giving yourself by being here and by listening and by caring enough about your own needs, you know, at least to this degree that you're willing to start working through some of this. So let's talk about where this developed. So you've probably heard of flight, freeze, or fight response, right? Those are all pretty common understandings of how our nervous system behaves in a certain way to protect us, right? To exit danger. But what's less commonly talked about is fawning, which is really another way to establish safety by essentially trying to minimize potential conflict or rejection or really just pain by adapting, right? By changing the way that you're responding to control the situation. So fawning is developed in our early childhood and usually it's through some kind of feeling in your family system where you needed to adapt or hide your emotions or change your emotions in order to establish safety. So an example of how this could look is if you were to have a really big reaction and get really emotional and that would all of a sudden cause one of your caregivers to get really distressed and maybe they would become really upset or agitated or even tell you that your emotion wasn't okay, you would then realize, okay, it's not actually safe or good for me to express this part of me. I feel more safe if I hold that part of me back. I don't express that forward because what I did in the past it wasn't safe. I wasn't met with receptivity. I wasn't met with love. And I didn't get that need met that my emotion was trying to express. And if you had a caregiver that had a really hard time regulating or managing their own emotions, you might have learned that you didn't want to almost throw more fuel onto the fire. Right? If you had a parent that was maybe a little bit immature in their emotional resiliency, you might have learned that if you started having big emotions, it just made everything bigger or worse or chaotic. So it was safer for you to actually minimize your expression, minimize your needs, minimize your emotion so that you didn't cause further disruption. And that can also then become the I'm a burden story, right? So a lot of people that have the people-pleasing tendency feel as though they just are a burden for who they are, right? So it can be really hard for those people to ask for what they need to express their truth because there's that deeper wound of feeling like no matter what I do, I'm just a burden and I make things worse or more difficult or whatever. And while that's not true, it makes sense if you had that kind of chaotic modeling in your early family system where you had to do whatever you had to do in order to minimize conflict. So you can see that there's so much innocence on all of this. And one of the biggest things that I work with my clients on is recognizing the things that they're struggling with usually come from a defense mechanism and there's so much innocence within that 
there's so much self-forgiveness because we can begin to see those problematic tendencies as actually really beautiful things that allowed us to survive. And I know it might not be that we literally wouldn't have survived if we didn't do that, but it is an adaption from our past that keeps us safe, right? And it did do what it needed to do for you in the moment. So I think in healing, we also need to hold this respect and this reverence for those defense mechanisms because they served a purpose. And that's a beautiful thing. And we don't want to shame ourselves for being who we are, think something is wrong with us, that we're broken. We're actually really resilient and adaptable human beings who are capable of reading their environment and changing so that we can stay safe. And that's a thing that we can honor while also working towards changing. And just back to some other ways that this might have developed for you, and this is really usually true with the caregiving tendency or pattern, is if you didn't see boundaries really modeled in your family system, maybe there was a lot of merging, you know, one person had one big emotion and then the other person had that big emotion, so those are more emotional boundaries, or maybe somebody had conflict and didn't speak up for what it is that they actually needed and wanted, maybe there was just a lot of hidden resentment and sweeping things under the rug, right? So you wouldn't have then learned in childhood how to actually set a boundary and that it is safe to set boundaries. You would have learned that it's better to maybe hide or keep things in or to just not, again, stir the pot or make things worse in some kind of sense, right? And you could have also witnessed one of your caregivers doing the same thing, right? Maybe one of them was that caretaker that self-abandoned and made sure everyone else was good and you find yourself following suit. Or maybe they did people please and try to keep everybody happy and not express their true emotions as well. So it can go a few different ways, but just to help you draw some parallels as to where this could have developed for you. And something that's usually true for people who struggle with people pleasing tendencies or a caregiving pattern is that they are typically disconnected from their anger. I'd work with women a lot on reconnecting to their anger. And at first people might think, well, why would you want to reconnect to anger? Anger is bad. Anger is chaotic. Anger is just destructive. And in truth, it's not. It's just that, again, we weren't probably modeled a healthy expression of anger growing up. So if we saw anger being really blamey and chaotic and maybe even potentially violent or really just aggressive, then of course we will shut that part of ourselves down because it wasn't safe. Maybe we didn't have safe space to bring our frustration and our anger forward, and that gets pushed down. And that can also then result in being really dependent on sadness and getting almost stuck because sadness and anger are very interconnected. And this is something I go into with my clients. And there's usually one you feel safer in, whether that's anger or sadness. But again, if you're in that caretaking or people-pleasing role, typically it's a disconnect from anger. And that's because anger is the fuel for our boundaries. It's hey, that didn't feel good. Don't do that again. I'm not okay with that, right? And when we have that healthy connection to our anger, again, it's not about projecting, blaming, fighting, and anything like that. It's really just about understanding this deeper need that is within us because our emotions are connected to our needs. We feel emotions to help us understand what needs of ours either are or aren't getting met. So it's just a communication within our bodies and there's a way to bring it forward that is healthy, right? But being disconnected from that will usually result in not feeling safe and expressing any kind of boundary or any kind of need. And it's important for me to mention, I'm not saying all of this so that we can just hold all of this resentment and frustration towards our caregivers, parents, siblings, family system, or, or whatever. 
It's not about that. Because when we hold onto resentment or blame towards other people, what happens is we actually take that on personally. If we believe that our parents, caregivers, family system, you know, everything did all of those things to us just because they are bad people or because they didn't like us or because whatever, then we tend to take all of that on, right? We take it on as a personal thing. Whereas when we actually realize that our caregivers were just doing their best and that they're humans with their own trauma and they've likely passed down trauma from their childhood as well, we can then take it less personally. We can then say, okay, I see they were doing their best and I'm not going to take this on as mine and it's not actually mine to hold anymore. And that's the beautiful thing about forgiveness. And it doesn't mean you have to reinstate connection with somebody if you are not in contact with your caregivers and that's something you want to hold on to. And you know, I really also want to honor and respect that there's some of you who have had maybe really traumatic backgrounds and it is actually the best thing for you to not be in contact with them 100% if that's your need. Beautiful. However, it is more about an internal freedom that we can reach when we realize that they were bringing forward whatever was unhealed from their past and therefore, again, it's not ours to hold. And something to also consider is that if you are that kind of people pleaser or caretaker, what can happen is you could be in a pattern of attracting more narcissistic kind of partners, right? Or people, friends, maybe you had a a narcissistic parent, romantic partners, everything. And I don't throw that term around lightly. I think it gets overused in today's day and age. But just in that role, I know that when you are in that super empathetic, overgiving, overextending, wanting to keep everyone happy, there is a very common pattern that that tends to attract more narcissistic people who will take advantage of that, right? So it's just something to be mindful of. Again, I really encourage everyone to be careful with that word and careful with pathologizing people and labeling people for certain things when we're not sure, but just to notice if that could be true for you in your life and to recognize that that is a invitation for you to reclaim some of your own power and personal boundaries and really just prioritize, again, this work and to heal these patterns because it's so important for your fulfillment and all of your relationships. And if you really resonate with being really lost in this pattern and feeling like you've become really disconnected from yourself, I just want to let you know that there is hope and you can absolutely come back to yourself. You can return to your needs, your values, your individuation, right? You can have that. It's not easy and it takes time and we want to have healthy expectations going forward in a healing journey. But the first step and the biggest thing is knowing that change is possible. And what comes when we work through these patterns is also being able to discern, right? So it's not just about knowing yourself. It's also about knowing yourself so much so that you can discern between who you want to interact with, right? It's the people in your circle are so influential of your life. And it's really actually important to be very conscientious about who you choose to surround yourself with. And the more that you know yourself and your values and your needs, the more choosy you are just with your energy in general, right? So you get to really discern and craft friendships and relationships that are actually going to be mutually loving and fulfilling. It's not going to be attracting people who expect that you overgive or expect that you people please. It's actually going to be bringing in people who want to see you step into your own needs and they want to see you empowered and going after all the things that you want as an individual, right? So whether that's romantic relationships, friendships, like any work relationships, it's just a heightened sense of intuition and discernment and that is everything. So important. So how do we actually work through this pattern 
the first step is awareness, right? Being able to see where you people please, where you're caregiving, and really getting curious, like trying to look at the roots. Where did that develop? When do I first remember feeling like I needed to abandon myself in order to appease someone, right? Did I see a parent figure modeling this for me? What is a missing need that I have within all of this, right? Was there something that I might have really needed in childhood that I didn't actually get at the time that I am now also needing in this moment, right? And coming into connection with our needs is not just about being aware from a mental state, it's also about being aware from a body-based state because your body and your emotions are showing you and giving you clear indicators of what it is that you need in each moment. So, so much of us are lost in our minds and are busy living in our minds, whereas if we actually make a deep practice out of coming home to our body and feeling all of these things on more subtle levels, we're more in tune with what it is that we need in the moment and therefore we can have that awareness that we need to actually step into asking for that or saying no or even just seeing where you're not making sure that need gets met. And another way is anger work, right? So this is something that I do in my program, but you can see this as embodiment practices that are going to actually allow you to move anger. So this could look like in a moment that anger starts to arise in a situation Can you notice what happens to it? Do you switch over to sadness or to maybe some other kind of emotion? Or do you distract yourself with your phone or whatever else? And can you actually take a moment and connect to that anger? Can you let it move through you a little bit? So there's a range of exercises you can do. Some are more intense and some more gentle. I think it's really important that you check in with what your capacity is before you just try to go to the level 10 anger embodiment practices, right? So some more gentle ones could be sighing, right? And Maybe this is just in privacy if that feels best to you. And honestly, I actually just do this a lot when I feel this buildup of energy in my body, but this can just be a gentle start where it might just sound like this, (sighs) right? And that can actually just feel really soothing. That can move a lot of energy. Or you can actually let yourself maybe yell into a pillow, right? Or you can let yourself thrash your body around. Again, That can bring up a lot, so I encourage everyone, if you are doing this, to move slowly and make sure none of this is bringing you into too much of a state of overwhelm or activation that it feels unmanageable, but just letting yourself make sounds, move your body in a way that helps you connect to that emotion and process it, move through it, right? And usually when we give ourselves some time to do something like this, a lot moves very quickly and we can return to a more clear state but still be in contact and in relationship with that anger so that we can, again, bring that forward in our communication in a healthy, integrated way. So the more we can work with that anger, process it in a healthy way, we're not going to project or blame or get really reactive, but we can hold this sense of this is my boundary, this is a no, this is what I need, and really be assertive in that expression. Another way to work through this is internal validation, right? So catching all the ways in which you are seeking that external sense of validation or reassurance or celebration and then taking that as an invitation to do that for yourself and i'm not here to shame wanting external validation we all want external validation it kind of has this bad rap but we all want attention we're all craving love and attention from people and that's okay but again for the people pleasers you're usually working on well with anybody whatever you're trying to work through you're trying to find the edge what is on the opposite side of that behavioral trait so that you can work on being more integrated, right? So with that reliance on external validation, you can take that as an invitation to work on your own inner validation, right? Whether that's just acknowledging yourself, 
writing a list about things that you really love about yourself, telling yourself that you're proud of you, doing something that feels gratifying, like taking yourself out, doing something nice for yourself, right? So just playing with different ways that you can be a source of your own validation. And then of course, boundary work, practicing, paying attention to where you might overextend and not set boundaries, and then practicing ways of saying no, whether that's something really small or big. Again, it's all about working with whatever your capacity is. And sometimes that looks like taking baby steps towards what it is that you really want to work toward. And eventually you can even ask for what you need, right? So I like to see it as this scale. We move from no boundaries to being able to say no, slowly sharing what your needs are, and eventually even asking for those needs to be directly met from other people. And while we can't expect that people are always going to be there to meet our needs, it's a really beautiful practice to ask. And I want to celebrate you for just even listening to this and recognizing that you get to be a cycle breaker of this, especially if you can see this as a really prevalent thing in your family system or maybe even in ancestral patterns. This is a really big, beautiful opportunity for you to overcome this. And it's for you, it's for your ancestors, it's for your family, and it's for every other person on the planet who struggles with this, right? So just really want to, again, celebrate and acknowledge you for being here. And if you really connected with all of this, I just want to let you know alchemy is a really beautiful place for you to move through so many of these patterns. It's very common. It's a big one that comes up in the containers. And I want to let you know that you're not alone. And if you want direct support to help you work through people-pleasing tendencies or caregiving roles or maybe other roles that you watch yourself playing, you're just ready to let go of and to stop, this is an integrative practice ground for you to do that. And you will be so welcomed there and so seen and embraced and you'll just really have this healing experience of recognizing your innocence realizing you're not alone and then having the actual tools and practices that you need to shift it so i would love to hear from you if you are interested send me a dm saying i'm ready and i will send you information about alchemy so that you can tune in and see if it might be right for you and if i also think it's right for you because i will check and ask you questions then we can progress forward and if i don't believe that it would be a fit for you i will ensure that you're prepared with resources to help you along your way so that's it for today's episode i hope you enjoyed and would love to hear from you reach out send me a message let me know what you learned and what you discovered and otherwise i will see you on the next episode